This is episode number 70 with the hitting coach at Missouri State University, Matt Lawson. Matt is actually a former professional baseball player and spent seven years in the minor leagues where he said he got his uh, doctorate in hitting. Um, it gave him a lot of, a lot of experience, um, really taught him a lot about hitting, and he brings that into how he coaches today. Um, in this episode, we get a little bit into hitting philosophies, what he teaches his players at Missouri State, um, from a recruiting standpoint, what he's looking for when he's going out. Does he go to showcases? Does he just talk to coaches on summer teams? How does he find the recruits? Because um, I know that's such a big deal these days. You know, should you go to showcases? Should you not? Um, we talk a little bit about kind of mechanics in the swing. You know, do we focus too much these days on mechanics or not enough? Which one? Um, so I think uh, Matt is going to be a great, great listen for anyone out there who loves just hitting and, and baseball. And he even talks a little bit about defense and how he really just doesn't want to just be known as a hitting coach. He wants to be known as someone who is an outstanding um, infielders coach as well. So really think you guys will uh, get a great amount of value out of this. Um, this episode is brought to you by Blast Motion. Blast Motion is a bat sensor, something that I've been using for the past few years now, where it can track how long your bat path is on playing with the pitch for, bat speed, time to contact, um, attack angle, which really, it really I think is one of the, the best measurements of blast motion is the attack angle you can it's so easy to demonstrate to a younger kid uh, if they're swinging down or up just by the attack angle on the baseball or on the swing I should say uh, so head on over to blastmotion.com and type in pjb25 for $25 off here is Matt Lawson We now welcome on Matt Lawson, who is the hitting coach at Missouri State University. Matt, really appreciate you coming on today. If you could give uh, the listeners uh, some of your background, that would be fantastic. Okay, I I graduated high school um, from Carl Junction in southwest Missouri in 2004, and I was a freshman at Missouri State in 2005, um, which is – close to where I'm from, hour and 15 minutes uh, away from from Springfield. And uh, I was drafted in the 14th round um, as a junior in 2007 out of Missouri State by the Rangers. Um, I was with them until I was traded to Seattle in 2010. I was traded from Seattle to Cleveland that off season, so about a half a year. Um, with Seattle and then from 2011 well through the 2011 season to 2013 I was with Cleveland um, and so I I finished in in double A with Texas I finished in double A with um, Seattle and I was between double A and triple A with Cleveland in the three year, three years I was there so what, what is professional baseball like? like? You were in the minors for seven years. Um, everyone talks about, you know, what type of grind it is and everything. Your experience, was it good or bad? I mean, what what is professional baseball like in the minors? Um, I mean, it was both. It's good and bad. Um, and sometimes the good 
I'm sorry, sometimes the bad um, in retrospect was was really good. It's it's uncomfortable, I can tell you that, but you know, those are the things that help you develop, I guess, from that standpoint, it accomplishes what it want, needs to accomplish from a player development standpoint. Um, it's it's long. I think everybody has a different experience based on you know their, their personal situation, um, their financial situation, their family situation. Um, for me, um, I, I like to think of it as my master's degree um, or my doctorate in in baseball up to a certain point. Like it's the thing after my undergrad that that most prepared me or best prepared me um, and separated me maybe from some of the other people um, that, that would would have in, in the future been competing against for my current job. Um, so, you know, it's a different a different look from a player's perspective at, at what I wanted to do long term. So, yeah, that was one of the questions that I had was, you know, where you learned about the swing. And it sounds like you really learned about it more than anywhere was when you were uh, playing professional baseball. Oh, I learned about it as it pertained to me. Okay. Um, and I think I'm still learning about it, even in all in retrospect, as it as it would have pertained to me had I can maybe learned at a more rapid pace or or had some different different perspectives as a, as a hitter back then. But I, I still try to use all those um, experiences to my advantage now as a coach um, when possible. I also think it can be a disadvantage. Um, if you try and label everybody into 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 your experiences um, and not not keep in mind that every every guy's different. When did you know it was time to to stop playing? Um, when I looked around me and I saw Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Giovanna Urshela, <laughs> and uh, Jesus Aguilar on the infield. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, you know, I've been, uh, see, I was married, in, first married in 2008, and we're coming up on our 10th year anniversary this winter, but we'd been married for about five years at that point, and um, that's the other piece to it is, is from a, being, a, being a player in the minor leagues is, um, I think there are, there's always risk and reward to the decisions that you make professionally and, and in general in the game. Um, and the risk for me to keep playing at the time was that um, it would have prolonged what I wanted to do long term in the game. Um, and not only that from a selfish standpoint, but where I think it would have projected our family. Um, so looking at it from my wife's perspective as well. Um, and then also, you know, you, you can quit something. Um, or retire from something or move on from something, but if you're not doing it to try and move forward and from another um, perspective, then like that's how I viewed it. I was moving, I was moving forward in the game for me personally and and for my family. So coaching in baseball has always been something that you've believed that you were going to do at some point when you were done playing. I mean, it's easy for me to say that now, but I I do I do specifically remember having multiple conversations with coach Gutton about what I wanted to do as a pro player in the future. And that was, that was one of the options. And, and after my first fall working with him here while finishing my undergrad, I knew that for sure that's what I wanted to do. Um, so, um, not as clearly as, as I did, did in the last few years. Gotcha. Makes sense. 
Let's talk a little bit about kind of college coaches and how it can be really, really tough for, for some guys to, well, just not some guys, a lot of guys to land a job. You actually started out, um, you were a student assistant first, is that correct? Yep, for the two years when I was finishing my undergrad. And then were you a volunteer as well after that? I was a graduate manager after that. Graduate manager after that. Okay, so did you have like another job on the side that you worked or how does that how does that work? Yeah. I know there's some places that like they have camps that you run and make money or Yeah. Yeah. Um I've I've done a lot of camps. Um I've given lessons. I've man I think I managed for three summers, uh in the Mink League for two and in the Northwoods for one. Um and, you know, all while finishing a, a master's in undergrad. And, um, yeah, very busy, very busy. Um, fortunately, my, my wife's uh, very, very tough and very uh, capable. And, and uh, in no way would I have I been able to do everything that I wanted to do without her uh, backing there. Sure, sure, absolutely. If someone were to ask you your hitting philosophy, what would you tell them? That's a uh, it's a really good question. It's the right question, and it's I think it's something that um, I continue to evolve with. But I I would say that it's probably closest to our team offensive strategy, uh, and and I think that our team offensive strategy uh, evolves with the personnel. Um, so I think that our my hitting philosophy has to be personnel based. Um, and so it's unique to each player, but I think it's about maximizing um, uh, an individual's uh, body and mind. Um, so, you know, that's why I said earlier, I, I don't think my exact experiences and thoughts can be the same as another player. But um, after time, um, we can figure out how another person thinks about it. I think it's very relational between a hitting coach and a hitter. Um, I don't think there's any way to get a, around the relational aspect of that except investing time, a lot of time with each hitter and having a lot of dialogue with each hitter and um, putting guys in a lot of different uh, positions to fail um, and succeed and overcome um, and then and then learn about how each guy does that. So I know that's not super specific um, from a hitting – from a uh, – from a hitting philosophy standpoint, um, but it's ultimately a team a team game um, where a bunch of individuals are maximizing their their abilities, um, and it's about scoring runs. It's a hundred percent about scoring runs, and and the way I think about maximizing our personnel is through player development. So when you talk about getting to know your players, uh, that makes sense to me because hitting is is it can be like really if you have a coach who's always talking to you or something like that you know gaining that trust that's really huge um my other thing other thing that i want to bring up is kind of um i'm sure you've heard of you know tpi certified and like having you know assessing each player um do you do something similar to like to that to know like maybe what their stance what they want their stance to be or or something or their movement pattern or something like that um so yeah, our strength and our, our strength and conditioning um, program in combination with our athletic training program uh, does movement screenings on guys all the time, and 
Um, we're still in the process of, of being able to do that from a swing standpoint, um, but that's available to us. Um, we just haven't done it before. And so that's um, new for us, and like it is to a lot of people. Um, do you think, right uh, now, go, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I would say right now that's more experimental as opposed to being able to clearly understand um, statistically like um, going into it where a guy needs to be. Right now there's trial and error involved in that. Um, do you think as a kind of industry we become too mechanical with hitting, right? You see like on Twitter everyone is arguing about like the littlest type of mechanical flaw or this or that. I mean, are we, are we creating kind of robots sometimes? Sometimes, yeah, no question. So I'm, you know, I'm in an environment here um, with Keith Gutton um, as our head coach, who's been um, the head baseball coach here for 39 years, and a uh, pitching coach who's been here for 30 years. And so as, as a younger coach, but somebody who's known them for almost 15 years, um, and they know me really well, I get to see it from their perspective too. And I try and seek out their, their wisdom um, in questions like that, you know, and, and, and try and balance that with some of the differing opinions of, of other people um, who are unbiased and things. So uh, I, I don't think it's as, ever as simple as saying it's one thing mechanically or, or something as simple as saying one thing competitively. Um, I think it also depends on how it's received, all the information in terms of how it's received. Um, that's the individual aspect of it. But to simply answer your question, mechanically speaking, yes, we, we, we think of player development as too mechanical often. Um, we have one of your players who, were, who was here this summer, and he talked a little bit about you guys do some PVC pipe work. Uh, why do you think PVC pipe work is, is valuable to, to a player? Athleticism, I think it, it gets guys out of like of, of the specific, specificity. Sorry for my lack of pronouns. <laughs> um, I think it gets guys out of, of the thing that they've done hundreds of thousands of times and they're going to continue to do and I think it helps them um, connect gaps um, between um, differing environments so I think that and, and it's not just PVC though Patrick I think like it's anything so whether it's throwing med balls or or flipping your bat around where you're holding the barrel or or do, you know doing something that's more of a, a single arm throwing technique or like there's a lot of different things but I, at the same time from becoming too mechanical and, and trying too many different things. If you do keep changing it up all the time, then it, then a guy never learns what he's, um, why he is who he is and what's, what makes him the best version of himself. So a lot like that's the trial, trial and error aspect of this thing. Cause none of it's an exact science when it comes down to, to hitting. Like none of it's exact science, um, and we're always trying to get more, we're trying to get closer to that. Um, but that's that's the individual aspect of it. Figuring out which which implements we can revert back to um, at different times of the year, and figuring out how to take something that a guy really gets or unlocks him um, athletically, and being able to apply that in different ways too. Okay. Now I want to kind of switch gears a little bit and go into your your guys' mm -hmm. practice plans. Um, I had on Rob Gray uh, the
the other day, and he talked a little bit about he, Rob's a sports scientist, and he's not you know he's not a coach in baseball or anything, but he talked we talked a little bit about how in Japan they they actually have. Um, We'll bring in pitchers who throw live basically before the game instead of just, you know, yeah. nice and easy batting practice. Because yeah. um, for him, he said, it doesn't make any sense for me when everyone talks about get your timing down to throw 45-mile-an-hour BP right before the game. Right. Um, what do you think What do you think about that? I, well, I think that a player's best swing is a pretty complex movement, and it's done extremely explosively. And I think something that's similar, even though it's in a different realm, um, is Olympic weightlifting in terms of the complexity of the movement to, to maximize that movement. It's, it's, not, um, it's not done to that degree, but when you think about training in, in some different areas and aspects, they, like track and field or, or, um, or you know, Olympic weightlifting or, or things that really tax, tax your central nervous system, I think doing it max capacity all the time can be counterproductive. Um, and I think that that's kind of from a player's perspective where the detriment can come. Um, like we can't maintain that level of intensity, game-like intensity. Like the pitcher when we face him in a, in a game is trying to get us out with every bit of his being is trying to get us out. And so we like, you don't see pitchers doing that as often as, as, as hitters hit because because their arm would fall off, but I, I definitely understand what he's saying, and I think that there are all progressions up to that point. And I think the big takeaway from that for, for our program is um, making sure that we're we're looking at the right things when we define success. Um, when you guys are practicing, what type of um, typical like hitter hitter practice are you are you guys doing? Like, is it just start out you get into the cage you do some t-work or is it you do pvc first do some movement feels and then t-work soft toss what do you guys normally do in the off season for example when you have right. individual times with different players and that's important like stating that whether we're talking about the off season or in season right um, so when we're talking about off season we kind of have two off seasons we have the fall um which is team team based practices or four on ones and then we also have uh, winter-based, which is not team setting, so the, those are all four-on-ones. Um, when we're in the the, um, the team setting of its full team practices, um, you know that's where you're managing 15 guys, 16 guys at the same time, and you there needs to be a lot of communication going into it ahead of time from an organization standpoint because you've got your timeline that you have to stay within and. And you want guys um, striving to accomplish the things that you want them to, whatever that may be. So whether that's like working on our on an approach and, and from a team-based approach, or and that's just specifically with hitting, you know. But um, whether whether it's like a, a backside approach or it's a, um, a very like a, a varied implement or something like that, um, that's. Those are things that all of those guys are doing within the practice time outside. Okay, um, there's also a lot of work that we're able to accomplish before th those things ever happen. So uh, early work is for us individualized on their own, and that's based on their class schedules. Um, <laughs> I would say my first year of, of 
of coaching here on staff full time that organization and time management is is the biggest hurdle for player development guys to grasp um, when you're the leader of it because of how many different schedules there are and trying to maximize that time relationally and being able to spend quality time with guys and keeping them accountable to what they're capable of doing within their daily schedules. It's a huge task and, and the amount of time that goes into planning those things is, is I can't um, understate the value of, of planning and preparation uh, just for a single day of practice. Um, I know I went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but like to answer your question better, um, more more exactly, we probably focus on winter four-on-one type sessions where we can really get into in individualization. Um, and so, yeah, we would do like typically I would look at it from the standpoint of um, you know physical preparedness and um, the act that they're getting ready to do. Um, I need to keep an eye on their central nervous system. Um, when when kind of programming how intense we're going to be about it i need to know um where we've been so like what do you know what, what are we working on are we are we progressing from what we did last week or are we working on something very specifically um that we haven't ever done before and and so that's where the, f the physical preparation side of it comes i may do some i may do some overall general athletic um like strength stuff strength and 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 um, speed work med ball stuff right out of the gate um, to kind of prime them and get them firing and get their energy level up and then from there we may take it down a little bit and focus on something um, a little bit more mechanical um, with some pvc pipe work or some banded pvc pipe work or um, trying to make sure we don't get too broad um, with our implements um, and then from there um, some type of progression um, towards a moving baseball uh, and and I really when, I, when we look at the moving baseball aspect of, of our practice I think we need to have purpose behind how we move the baseball um, and we've become better at that in acknowledging the analytics of the moving baseball from like what, what can we accomplish from an underhand flip versus what can we accomplish from an overhand flip um, or an overhand feed to you know what kind of angles do we want to replicate to what kind of spin rate do we want to replicate with certain intensities and what are our capabilities there. So, you know, one thing that we've seen pretty, pretty recently, I would say, is the advantage of using the machine versus using an overhand feed um because of the spin that, that can create and even though you can you can do all different types of velocities and 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 there's a detriment to working at too high a velocity you can you can still create more spin on a machine than you can out of your hand if you're me trying to throw from i don't know 30 feet or 45 feet um so i think progression is huge and and having plan is huge how many swings do you think players should be taking like on a regular basis? Like with your guys, is there, is there a point in time where, where taking too many swings is just going to hurt after a while and they just need to get out of the cage? I do. Um, I do. And that's a really good point that, that kind of brings us to another point that swings uh, is kind of prefacing that you're 
you're in you're in hit the ball hard mode uh, with game bat, and yeah, in in that in that setting, absolutely. Um, and so that's another benefit to using different implements at different intensities, um, and kind of looking at looking at your development and your skill acquisition um, from from something that's not going to tax you as much, but is is going to help you. Re- um, retain stickier information that's going to be um, probably it's going it, to you're going to retain it longer and and you know a lot of times you see a guy have a bad round but then out of out of all of it you see him hit a ball really really good and you ask him like what'd you do different there um, and sometimes they know and sometimes they don't and and I think the more times they can know the difference um the more times they're going to be able to repeat the good. Right. That that makes sense to me. When you're watching your hitters hit, um, are you someone who doesn't say very much during during like the hitting session or during games, like after they get have a bat at bat, come back to the dugout, or do you feel like? Because sometimes I feel like as a coach, like you feel like you should say something just because you're like a coach, and but maybe that's not necessarily the best thing to do. I agree, especially in games. Like I try and look at it from the whole um, in games. Like, like how's our team? How how are we executing it against against the guy, or how are we handling the adversity, of the competition? Um, definitely trying to stay away from mechanics for the most part in games, because because if that's the issue, then what have we been doing with our preparation up to that point? Um, and so we've really got to trust our preparation during during that time period. Um, and we've got to stick with something that we can control um, and that's going to have uh, a better impact in the moment. So something that's going to be like um, approach based or or something that's going to be, um, you know, mindset based um, or something that's just going to be informational about what, what they're preparing to see um, if, if we're seeing anything. But not too much in games, not too much, uh, a lot more encouragement. Um, for the sake of of energy level in games, and then in practice, I would like to be a lot better at not saying as much, which would mean my words would have to have more influence and meaning each one of them. But um, unfortunately, that's not always the case, and I think that I, uh, I think I probably talk a little bit too much in practice, um, especially in the smaller group settings. I'm sure my guys get tired of hearing me talk, but, um, but I think the takeaway is that over, over enough time when, whether some of the stuff you're saying, um, doesn't even make sense, hopefully it makes sense to you, hopefully they have a purpose to it. I think that they, they remember, um, more than what you think, as long as you're working with the same intention all the time. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, get into a little bit about the swing now, like the actual mechanics of a swing. There's yeah. a lot of people out there who talk about, you know, there's a lot of hands people. Well, where is hands at? Are they moving? Do you want your hands moving back and up each time? Because uh, there's a lot of, I guess, when I look at a lot of elite hitters like a Pujols, a Cabrera, a lot of them seem that their hands go back and up. Do you mm-hmm. do you preach? I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? Um, maybe they're not necessarily trying to, but right. I, I think I think you have to look at where, and I think you have to look at when, um, because I think there's 
there's specific sequences to each guy's like movements and and yeah we see a lot of guys where their hands move back and up but when is the important part and i think that goes with guys whose hands don't move back and up like when do they when do they drop which allows them to launch from a lower position so i think when can be more important than where um and i think like looking at hitters who a player can see themselves in is really important too because watching video is really really important but like watching video of a guy who isn't anything like another guy can be counterproductive because maybe maybe like Miguel Cabrera and Andrew, you know Andrew McCutcheon aren't moving the same um, there's similarities there but they're not moving exactly the same so um, what can we what can we, what's the difference? Once again, that that's the thing that I come back to a lot is like, what's the difference between these two things? And maybe that helps you understand what the the big takeaway is. Yeah, finding somebody who moves like you, essentially what you're saying. Right, yeah. And maybe having another guy um, who moves differently. And so you can see um, what the difference is between, between the guy you want to move like and the guy you don't want to move like. I've been seeing this uh, this drill a little bit online lately. It's where hitters like they actually will check swing, like they'll they'll go yeah. through their motion. Why why is that? I think it depends on who you talk to um, on that one. But from when you say checking, that does that mean with the purpose of contacting the ball or, or not contacting? Yes, the ball? yes, contacting the ball, like stopping at contact. Yes, right? yep. So there's a lot of different places you can stop, I think. Um, and another place you can stop is is kind of it, it call it maybe extension, um, which we call it like stick it drill. But um, when you stop it at contact, I think it, it makes your movement happen from somewhere other than your hands because you, it's hard to stop your hands and get any ball flight out of your contact. But if you're doing your work with, uh, something earlier in your connect chain so like your you know your hips and then maybe your shoulders or, or your trunk um, and you're not moving your hands at all then you're not ever starting so you're not starting your hands then you're not really ever having to stop your hands so I think it's a uh, to steal a line from Eugene Blaker it's probably teaching you about deceleration just as much as is acceleration do you tell your players to hit the ball in the air yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. So sometimes you tell them to hit it on the ground? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, like, uh, you might be seeing a theme here in this conversation, but like, and this is something I learned early on from Coach Evans. Like, um, there's, I'm trying to think of the, the term for it. Um, there's always an exception in baseball, there's always an exception to it in baseball. Um, so there is no absolute <laughs> in this yeah. game. Um, and so there are guys who statistically need to hit the ball lower. Okay. And there are guys who st statistically need to hit the ball higher within certain ranges um, for production. But I can tell you, and I use, I use this example. This is a great example for me to start my career at as kind of the uh, quote unquote offensive coordinator. Um, we were playing a tournament in East Carolina to start the year this year, and, and the entire weekend it was 40 degrees, and the wind was blowing straight in it. 
25 plus miles an hour. It was blowing really, really hard and it was cold and the ball wasn't going anywhere at all. And, um, we had to figure out how to make adjustments in the middle of the tournament, um, for us to have any success. So I think having versatility is really important for a complete offensive attack. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that example up of, of the weather because of, of those conditions. And I remember your, Ted Williams in his you know famous book, The Science of Hitting, he kind of said something similar. Like you have to look at you know what is the wind, where's the wind blowing? Is the wind blowing in? If it's you know blowing in hard, I'm going to try and hit a lower line drive versus really driving the ball in the gap. Yeah, I think it's about like I think it's about being clear on what the problem is and then having uh, really good solutions to solve those problems. Um, and so some you know there's always going to be some type of problem that the pitcher is going to pose. And, you know, the, the better we can be at, at having solutions as hitters towards the problems the pitcher poses along with some of the other environmental problems can um, is really where we establish what our approach is. When you're out recruiting um, during the summer, spring, and even in the fall as well, what are you looking for from recruits? Because we'll have, we'll have, you know, a bunch of parents listening to this, um, some high school players as well who want to play. Uh, college baseball. Um, so just kind of curious on what you look for. Um, look, I like looking at guys who are baseball players. Uh, so guys that, um, guys that I could, I could see fit into our culture here who are ball players who, who, who I could define as a bear in my mind, like somebody who could, um, who could handle going into an SEC, um, or going going into a ruckus environment, SEC environment or something in the postseason and, and not wavering, like somebody who was eaten up by the game and the competition of the game and then and then had the skill sets to be able to um, to win those competitions. So you're not just looking for someone who can hit the furthest ball because that's really – you see that a lot online where, you know, throw it as hard as you can, hit it as far as you can, and people will notice. I, well, I mean – in order to win some competitions, you have to be able to do some things. Um, not every guy um, in in our program who is – and I told our hitters this last year, like every, all of you are here for a reason, and all of you have explosive abilities. Um, so that needs to be part of the definition of what I'm looking for, some type of explosive ability to put pressure on a defense and a pitcher. Um and psychologically, there has to be some toughness about being able to handle those environments I was just talking about. Um, but yeah, and, and we need guys who can who can bop it, and we need guys who can run, and we need um, some balance to our order. Um, and I'm not, and, and you know, I'm talking to you as the as the offensive guy right now, but I look just as much of it from a, from a defensive side of it too, because you know I also work with the infielders and 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 coach our defense up a lot and and you know our job is to win games um and we have to be able to score runs to win games and we also have to be able to make plays to win games and we're trying to put together the most complete uh roster we can um all within you know what's going to continue our culture here yeah bringing up the defensive part i think is is huge just because i don't i think we've gotten so offensive that a lot of people forget in college baseball, if you're a liability on defense, I mean, that's going to put a ton of pressure on your bat. I mean, you're going to just going to have to absolutely mash to be in the lineup every day. 
Um, at least that's what I think. I mean, you're, you, what do you think about having to just kind of really focus in on just being a complete player versus just, just a hitter? No, I mean, I, I mean, I've been really blessed with the type of players we've had here since I've been here. And, you know, we've had guys who could really do it on both sides of the ball. Um, and I think that, you know, I think that speaks to, you know, the, the history of the program and, and the leadership. Um, you know, like Coach Gutton, <laughs> Coach Gutton, I couldn't have a better mentor for me you know, as, as a young coach than, than him. But then from the other side, of, and that's from a leadership side of it, but from the other side, from a pitching side of it, like I learn a lot about offense from our pitching coach and just different perspectives that he may have. But at the same time, I learn a lot about defense from the pitching coach too. I mean, I'm, I'm not just a hitting guy. There's yeah, I don't view this thing as, as I'm just a hitting guy. I spend probably just as much time with our infielders as I do with our hitters. Um, and the best infielders um, that I've been around, infield is really important to them. Um, they can be involved in the game um, on a lot more pitches um, from the defensive side of things. And we, when we look at our defense, and it, this is this isn't defensive talk by any means. It's more of a recruiting talk. But um, when we look at our defense, it's like we talk about how how can we influence the game without the ball in our hands. So and and that's a cultural thing. That's the you know that's an environmental thing. So you know holding guys accountable to their their work habits and their preparation and stuff. That's not just offensively. It's it's how can our team be most prepared to win. Well, talking a little bit about as well um, on the recruiting path how. How would you go about um, going at, like recruiting a player? Would they contact you first, show that they're interested, and then maybe you go watch them play or a showcase? Um, how does how would you be, get recruited? It's like for for me so far. What you know, the, the best thing for me has been getting to know a lot of younger coaches, like high school coaches and and summer ball coaches, guys who who those players are playing for. And, and hearing what kind of recommendations they're putting out on, on these particular guys and and following them that way because I can't be everywhere at once. And so um, getting feedback from the guys who, who see them on more of a daily basis uh, is way more efficient, way more effective. Um, and, and it's also within the rules, um, you know, I, to, for me to communicate um, with players it needs to happen through through their coaching staffs and um, and there has to be a bit of relationship built there with the coaching staffs. Is dealing with the scholarship money like kind of tough? Because I, I I've always kind of wondered that. Where I feel like I, I mean I've I've never been a, a college coach, so I don't really know. But I know it's eleven point seven scholarships for Division One. The lowest is twenty five percent, I believe, and then you can go up to I guess a hundred. Is that right? Yeah, you can go to a hundred. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you better be Albert Pools if you get basically if you're getting a hundred. I haven't seen it, but you could do it, I guess. Um, here at least, um, yeah, no, it's 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 a minimum of twenty five percent and twenty seven guys on the roster, and, and the NCAA allows for thirty five guys on your roster, and school individual schools can do less than that um, based on gender equity and title Title Nine um, issues, or or if it's just a budgetary standpoint. 
Um, and then, yeah, managing that from year to year takes a lot of work and coordination. Do you guys put together like academic scholarships as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's advantageous for us to do that because of, of how inexpensive it is to go to school at, you know, at our, at Missouri state. And, and, um, our, our school does a really good job at, at offering avenues for, uh, of state, um, student athletes to, to get in-state tuition based on their academic profiles. And, um, and so, yeah, like, you know, that conversation, that, that part of our conversation, we were talking about getting to know, um, you know, other people in the players' lives, um, like their coaches and, and high, high school coaches, summer ball coaches, like getting some insight to what they're like in, in the classroom too is, is incredibly valuable. Yeah. It seems like you really, really love Missouri State why why is that place so special to you because they gave me an opportunity um right out of the gate as a 17 year old kid um you know and, and that was just the start of it but um the loyalty that i've that i've experienced from coach gun um over the last 15 years and in this and in, in seeing how he treats everybody the same um it's very genuine gotcha Matt, I really appreciate you uh, you coming on today and, um, and and just giving all our listeners a bunch of knowledge and, and background of what you do at, at Missouri State. That is my pleasure. Uh, hope to hope to talk to you more in the future, man. <laughs>